I don't want to look at the pretty light, Diane. <laughs> I suppose. Isn't there any <laughs> ugly light to look at around here? No. no. I would say that the the color of the sunlight uh, is not pretty. The sunlight is quite orange. Yeah. yeah. But in spite of all that, it's 8.54 a.m. Saturday, August the 14th, 2021. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the You. Yeah, there is nice sun on my feet. I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's my fair, pants. And your pants. Ah, ham and eggs. It almost looks like some sort of old master's... Uh, oh, it does have kind of an earth tone quality yeah. to it, doesn't it? Well, mm-hmm. because of the... My pants are kind of, what, would you call that stucco color? <laughs> kind <laughs> no, of brown it's kind stucco of a, colored. And, it's kind uh, of... As are my feet. Are kind camel of, tan. Camel tan? Yes. Okay. And my feet are, you know, not what one would call artsy. Uh, they look a little, I don't know, something. <laughs> they look a little something. I have something. a real hard time with this toe, this one, <laughs> which is the third from the biggest toe on my left foot. On my right foot, they everything seems proportional. See how on my right foot it's shorter than on my left foot. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And uh, that's a problem for me. No, and like when I'm wearing shoes and things like that, that's that that toe right there is. That could be the that could be the cause of the whole thing, Diane. All of this stuff that I've been going through in my body, it could be because of that big toe right down there. That and my appendix scar. I see. Yeah, are the causes of all my problems. But that's all right. It's you know our house. It's so pretty now that I'm just, you know, I kind of get, it's like, I think my blood pressure's gone up, you know, my resting blood pressure has gone up, not into an unhealthy area, but it is, there's something very enlivening about these colors for me on an ongoing basis, you know, it's just like every time I'm in this space now, I'm just kind of like, there's an extra little zing in the, in the, the, just the energy of the room. There it's is hard to indeed. describe, but I think, you know, we're kind of into the ethereal today. And we just came out of ethereal, and uh, we're probably going to go back into ethereal before we sign off. And uh, So I kind of feel like I'm starting in a very odd place today in terms of where we were in the conversation. Diane had to stop me. She had to say, you know, Bill, don't you feel like you're kind of Shouldn't this be in the show? Shouldn't we hit the record button first? You know, kind of thing. Which I'm always saying to her. <laughs> so. Anyway. But I mean, it's been a hectic week here in like Amphetamine, Diane, but the hecticity is not something that I care to talk about. The hectic nature of my week uh, is all about discomfort. So I don't, I can, I'll just say that. And... Uh, and say uh, it's over to you. Well, the hectic part of my week was mainly that we had <laughs> our bathroom countertops replaced. Oh, yeah. Brennan and Dave. I like those guys. Yeah, they were. This is the the 
final part of our our home renovation our refresh project that we had done this week um, we changed all of our laminate countertops to match the kitchen uh, countertops and we also so, painted the cabinets well but the painted the cabinets have been painted some time ago oh so but so the, the it's just like really... our whole house is like new it just feels beautiful but i haven't i haven't noticed the vibe thing in the bathrooms as much as i notice it right here i'm just talking about from my spot in the house it's like a whole new view and it's very much more defined and i like the colors and the angles and how the colors and the angles all work together i like that and it is all about light and shadow and light moving across a surface and stuff like that. So it's got, a, it's got an esoteric kind of ethereal uh, element to it, if I can use that word again. You may. Yeah. And it's interesting to me that, that so many people don't bring more color into their lives in general. You know, the colors do really affect us. Yeah. They do. So. Yeah, and I really, I really have to say, I, you know, other than, you know, my experience of color has always had to do with putting things on the wall, hanging up a picture or something where I'm, where the colors, my colors have, a sense of color has been confined to frames, you know, for most of my life, because that's kind of how I grew up with a, with a painter, uh, with an artist guy. So I was always th- taught to look for color in a closed space like that. But this is like color that is, you know, it's not, I can't help but keep saying it's not just on the walls, it's in the air. You know, it's, uh, that's what I'm, I'm responding to, I think, is the way all of it is in the air. And that has to do with the changing light of the day. You know, the way light is coming into the room and is reflecting off these surfaces. Well, the thing that I like, too... And then we will stop this whole, really? you know, rhapsody. Oh, you think we've exhausted the uh, topic? Well, it's just the the way that the the spots of color in the paintings come out mm-hmm. with the color on the walls. Yeah, it redefines all those colors too, or sharpens them in some kind of way. But I had never considered this as a, a an experienceable phenomenon until now. So it's nice that in my sixty fourth year I can learn something that's profoundly new. Now we can move on to other topics if you like, Diane. Well, the only other thing about my week is that I am really finding that I'm starting to pass off my job in a more efficient way than I've ever done before. I I think, I don't know, it's an interesting time. The ball is rolling down the hill and you're finally feeling the energy of that and you're kind of going, yeah. Well, and it's kind of exciting to be training people in this way because most of the time when you're leaving a job, you've only got a couple of weeks to to try to stuff as much knowledge. But but I've come up with some ideas of how to share this information and do it as a group over the entire rest of the year, and um, and I'm finding that to be quite exciting. I never had thought about passing on the information to be quite as exciting as I do now so that's great so that's that was my week at work and I applaud you in that too I mean it's it's a uh, 
it's been a singular delight to be part of your process in all of this because it's it's a fascinating pack passage and because of good fortune we are able to both of us have kind of been able to uh, experience it on an emotional level with a certain amount of I don't know uh, intent maybe or attention we have more available examination of yeah. the life yeah. but let's continue on our conversation because first of all let me when Bill uh, asked about music for today mm -hmm. I was telling him well I would like to go off what we were saying when we were talking about Mark Kenny's um, progressive rock question yeah. and how many groups came up for us that we really loved in the progressive rock arena and we have addressed some of these groups before have we addressed them well i would I say mean, jethro tell them we may have addressed jethro <laughs> ever so slightly and, uh, and we have with emerson lake and palmer and mm -hmm. some pink floyd i think yeah. but uh i said maybe yes or al stewart and and bill I thought yes. Yes, you yes, thought yes. I said, yes. I thought yes to yes. Yes to yes. And then I had, had to try and think because I had a, I don't think I had the full collection of yes. I don't think I, I didn't really like Close to the Edge that much. Um, but I was very influenced by Relayer at one time in my life just because of the expansiveness of it. Things that, that, that are uh, profound to me about yes's music is that the music is, extremely intricate and has you know each instrument has a distinctive part and if you can listen to the to the songs closely you can hear all these different parts working together and uh, and then the the lyrics have always seemed very ethereal to me well we were talking um about the fact that i never owned any yes albums because when i was younger I was very choosy about what albums I purchased because I didn't have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So for me, whatever I would purchase, I had to really think about and and uh, and decide. But um, but I did the same thing that you did. I did buy used albums as well because back then you could go to places to and buy used albums. Yeah. Yeah, there was a, a used record store in downtown Spokane when I was in college. And uh, I used to go there a lot. And that's where I bought most of my the albums that ended up in my collection were used albums. And so they might have been a little more scratchy and poppy and stuff like that. But Back in the day, though, I didn't mind the scratches yeah. and pops, man. That was, that was something that was just part of the experience. It wasn't, you know, I grew up listening to my dad's old 78 RPM uh, records, the old the classic wax records that would break if you drop them. And uh, so I, I liked the pop. And the surface noise was kind of part of the experience, just like tape hit, tape hiss was part of experience for, for a long time. But anyway, um, I remember I was aware of Roundabout when it was on the radio. Oh, me too. And I think everybody was startled by that. Shortly after, I got to be friends with Alan Hicks and Tim Vernon, who were two extremely influential per people in my life, men in my life. And still uh, are. And still are, both of them. 
And uh, I walked into Alan Hicks's third floor Macmillan dorm room one day and the album Going for the One was playing. And I had never heard Going for the One, and I, but I recognized the sound. I said, who is this? And he said, it's Yes. And I went, yeah, didn't they do? And he was like, yeah. And it was just like, and that song, Going for the One, there's, there, the, one of the things about Yes is that their music is exuberant. There are, when they get going, it, is just, it just lifts you off the ground. You know? Yeah. Um, and I really like that and appreciate it. And it's a kind of an energetic space that Yes occupies singularly in my musical history. There's a certain kind of exultance in the music that if you're in the mood for that or if you feel you need it, there it is. Yeah. You know? And so I think I really feel like when I was in college, there was certain music that I knew would lift me when I needed to be lifted. And Yes was one of those bands. And and going so going for the one has always been probably my favorite Yes album. But I did not choose any of music from that for today because maybe because I'm a little oversaturated with it myself and I wanted to find something else. Yeah. I didn't want to play anything off of Fragile. And although Cans and Brahms was always, you know, a favorite of mine, as well as Roundabout. Um, so I went to the Yes album and to one of their later albums, Tormato, for my choices. Because there's a couple of songs here that give you the exuberance and the ethereal qualities in spades. Well, and you were telling me about the different instrumentalists, and I just wanted to mention that there is a, um, a guy on YouTube named Rick Beto oh, yeah. that that will he, he takes songs the, apart. Yeah, he has musically. a he has a series called "What Makes This Song Great," yeah. and he uh, he actually will take apart the songs and phrase by phrase he will yeah. he will describe and say here listen to the way they do you know and it's just kind of his excitement about the song is really a, a kind of uh you know whatever that word is it's it's like the like a disease it's <laughs> infectious infectious thank you <laughs> i am having real problems with vocabulary this morning folks sorry about that well and also uh he will he will do what they did on the classic album series where mm -hmm. he'll just play one track mm -hmm. so that you can hear the track or you can hear the vocals by themselves yeah. and and see how they're all put together. That's what and I that... like about, uh, speaking of that, there's a new series on Hulu with Paul McCartney and Rick Rubin talking to each other. It's really good because they do exactly that. They, you know, they play all these old songs and then they bring just in the bass and drums and talk about that part, and then they bring it, you know, like one instrument at a time. And listening to McCartney talk about this stuff is just, it's unlike. Well, especially when you hear some of the things that, because you really can be a part of that creative process, yeah. I think, in a way that you don't really get to do when you're hearing the incredible finished product right. but you get to to hear all the creative ideas that somebody has had to to make this right the so the... that's the thing about yes i don't know where the term progressive rock came from prog rock i don't understand it because for me it's this is classical rock 
I think of Jethro Tull, I think of Kansas, I think of Sticks, I think of Yes, and I think about how it's an echo of classical music because it is, there are major shifts in melodic line and tempo and time and different instruments are, are, uh, are used in different sections and, you know, each part of, an, of whatever the band is or the orchestra is given its little moment and I don't know. Well, just when you said that, I looked it up because I always wondered too. Yeah. It says the term progressive rock, which appeared in the liner notes of Caravan's 1968 self-titled debut LP, wow. came to be applied to bands that used classical music techniques to expand the styles and concepts available to rock music. Okay, well, so, so I, you but were why right. But why, why was progressive the word they used? I don't so Maybe know. it's because of the musical progressions, and maybe it's because the music progresses from one melodic theme to another melodic theme and then goes back and, you know, does like that. And, and different bands do that to different levels. I wouldn't say Kansas does it to the level that Yes does it, or Styx does it to the level that Yes does it. Yes seem to me to have classical elements uh, in all their music. So even, even and, but they also you knew how to rock. Yeah. You know, like in the, the second half of, of the second half of Seen All Good People, when it goes into the... Pardon me, I'm going to have another drink of coffee. <laughs> oh, It's good coffee. Well, those were the two songs I knew from Yes, were Roundabout and All Good People. Yeah. Well, those are the ones that got the most radio airplay. Well, that's, and that's what, why but, I heard but so it. But that's why it was such an interesting experience to walk into Hicks's dorm room and hear this other music and recognize the sound, you know, because it's something in the vocal, it's something in how they arrange things and how things are recorded and John Anderson's voice, you know. John Anderson's voice is as, as identifiable to me as Ian Anderson's voice. Yeah. You know, you always know. That's John Anderson singing because he's just got his own unique sound. Um, it's really different from other people. But everybody's got that. James Taylor's got it. Jackson Brown's got it. You know, everybody's got it. Al Stewart's got it. Paul McCartney's got it. Yeah, I definitely, yeah. Voices so, are very distinct. Right, and they, and, but John Anderson's voice seems perfectly matched to the kind of music he is making. Uh, and... I don't want to say more so than those other names I mentioned, but but he's the defining sound of the of yes to me. I've heard other yes performing with other singers. No, doesn't work. Doesn't work. Well, and you were talking about the classical guitar and the yeah. Steve Howe is an amazing guitar player, very improvisational and yet very precise. And when you put a classical guitar in Steve Howe's hand, he's going places. And Rick Wakeman is a great keyboard artist who is, you know, I always felt like was underutilized. Now, Patrick Moraz also played keyboards with Yes for a couple of albums. Relayer does not have Rick Wakeman on it, and it's Patrick Moraz on that one, and he's a good keyboard player too. But anyway, I got immersed into Yes because I was so fascinated with how they do that, how they make that sound. Yeah. You know? uh, Chris Howe is a very inventive bass player, and... Uh, drummer uh, Alan White is also great. They're when, all just great musicians. It was so interesting when Mark was asking the question about progressive rock groups because I realized how 
much of what I loved was progressive rock. And I think it's because I grew up with mostly classical music. And having that combination of rock and classical really turned a key for me. And because we were in choirs. Right. So you got that you got that exposure to more classical styles of music and also, you know, the ideas of blending sound and harmonizing and, you know, arrangement, all of that, you kind of get it in your body so that your body responds to it when it hears it. Just as an example of how how different it was for me to hear a classical approach to a rock song uh, was the Who's Tommy. Yeah. They they did a, I think it was London Philharmonic, yeah. uh, did a album with, uh, and Rod Stewart was singing this song, yeah. uh, Pinball Wizard. And I actually was requesting that through the radio stations because they didn't play it frequently, but it just thrilled me to hear it. And it was because of the classical feeling behind this song. When I heard the Who's actual singing of it, it didn't do as much for me. It was the classical uh, arrangement of it that really thrilled me. So I think that something about that combination of rock with with the the complexity and instrumentation of classical has always been thrilling to me. Right. Well, I think we have a couple of good examples of that. Well, and especially, I had never heard the madrigal. Oh, you hadn't heard that. That's right, you hadn't heard that before. And I actually wept when I heard yeah, it this I, morning. Yeah, it makes me weep too. It's a very beautiful song. It is... Uh, well, beautiful it's, sonically and also lyrically. Yeah. So we got good stuff. I've seen all good people turn their heads each day So satisfied I'm on my way I've seen all good people turn their heads each day So satisfied I'm on my way She hasn't got time 
said my friend of a distant life Covered in greens of a golden age Set in stone, follow me He sounded of dreams supreme Follow me, drifting within the glow And the afterglow of the eve And if that firelight I could match the inner flame Sacred ships do sail the seventh day Cast off your garments of fear, replace them with love. Most of all, play with the game of the age. Highest of places, remain all as one with you, giving us light and the freedom of the day. Could match the inner flame Sacred ships do sail the seventh age And I've always been here Celestial travelers have always been here with us Set in the homes of the universe We have yet to go Countless expansions will arrive and flow inside of us My friend here fantasy Dancing with the spirit of the age 